This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons like Bigly Teats and Adam Studley. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast with the nastiest intercept attack. This is Season 7, Episode 13, finishing our post-game coverage and our final thoughts on Xenosaga Episode 2 for the PS2. I am your host, Matt Marcus, and my pronouns are he, him, and still with me is... Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him, Sybil Arnett, she, her. Ryan Beatty, they, them. We hop back in, talking about the Dark Erde Kaiser side quest. So now you go visit the other professor on Second Milsha and pick up where we left off. It's worth pointing out that since the plot thinks you haven't completed the Omega system, the last time messages on a loading a game have become overt farce by now. Well, <laughs> they were supposed to go to the Omega system, but the professor wanted them to defeat the Dark Professor, someone who resembled the professor but wasn't related in any way whatsoever, and whose whereabouts the professor still didn't know after all these years of research as well as his giant robot, Dark Erde Kaiser, all of which the professor claimed wasn't for his own gain, but to save the entire universe from a fate worse than what it was facing even now. Well, after all, it's an urgent request from the one and only professor. What do you think? Don't blame me if something goes wrong, though. We can't defeat this giant robot until we defeat the other giant robot. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Video games are bad. That's what, that's what the whole thing becomes for the entire post-game. Yep. He gives you the sequencer B, because of course we wouldn't do these in order, fuck you, and tells you it'll activate yellow forbidden devices. He also unlocks, but does not have the key to, what an asshole, the green forbidden device <laughs> a few feet from him so that you can open it. The next step is to UMN dive into the Orbis stronghold, where we once blew an antenna off the top of the thing 20 hours ago. Now we can use this to teleport to the first hidden dungeon. Uh. The first hidden dungeon is literally just called Desert. Boom. Like, yep. Fuck effort. And only one screen of it is desert. <laughs> God yeah, damn. the other screen is screens are cave. Most <laughs> of it takes place inside a cave. It's, oh, it's like so... how it's called the like how you go to the beach in this winter domain or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is an ES dungeon, which is a serious jump in difficulty from the Omega system. Maybe take the first few fights carefully and retreat to the save point before healing. Uh, nearby is an address segment, which you should have the key for from questing, and it unlocks the body of Erde Kaiser Fury. Make a beeline to it, get ready to refight the enemy guarding it after you grab it, because it respawns upon on screen transition. Yes. That sucks. Ooh, those fights suck too. Yeah, yeah. these things are nasty. Oh, hard, oh yeah. hard mech fights sound like the worst thing in the universe, because the mech system is not very good. It's very limited, yeah. The desert is basically 
end game for Mecha. Ugh. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the last thing you use them for. Yeah, everything else is a character dungeon. Mm-hmm. God. You can't even cheese that. Well, can could you cheese it by putting... Can you do um, Airday Kaiser if Momo and Shion are in the Zebulon? Nope. Cannot Airday mm. Kaiser it all in mech form. Oh, cool. oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think of that, but... Yeah. Oof. Well, of course you're not. You're not <laughs> in the canon. I mean, and, and to be honest, well, here's, here's also the thing, Chris. You just got the body, so if you wanted to get Erde Kaiser, you would have to fight at least two of these things, or two of these battles, before you could go back and get it fully assembled. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So suck. God, and it would so it's like you're getting Erde Kaiser so late, you're basically only then using it for the next couple of character level optional dungeons. There's no real opportunity to use it in the body of the game in a way that would be fun or meaningful. Yeah, no. not at all. It's Ugh. super useful, though. <laughs> yeah, you uh, can... Yeah. You can basically use it to destroy a couple of post-game fights. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the thing about the those enemies, the ones in the desert, at least, like, usually you fight two of them, which sucks. You never want to fight two of a new enemy at once. It's just bad design. But... These guys do a fuck ton of damage at it. Like when you get them under half health, they start doing these AOEs that do like six grand of damage mm. and you just can't heal that much in an ES fight. And as far as I'm aware, I don't know if you can escape. Wait, no, you can't escape, but you can't yeah, escape you if Momo's escape. in the Zebulon, right? Right. Or if right. you use an item. Uh, do they have the escape items anymore? I thought that was only the previous game. I believe you can use them in mechs. Okay. Yeah, and then also they go invisible and then start getting harder to hit and taking less damage. So, like, yeah, when you roll in here and you're probably in your 40s or so with your level. Yeah, yeah 40s at most. It's a real struggle to get through one of these fights. And as Ryan mentioned earlier, you have to go fight at least two of these battles to get the body of Erde Kaiser. It's it's rough. The, the enemies inside are not nearly as bad, but they're also kind of obnoxious. And I just want to say... The enemies outside in the desert section look like a sandworm from Dune fucked a pistachio. <laughs> that is a good description. Wow. <laughs> There's no better way to summarize them. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Great. Hey, so I just watched the Erdek Kaiser video, and the Erdek Kaiser isn't even a cool animation in this one like it is in the first nope. one. Oh. Oh, but there's this one thing, and I I was just trying to look for it, and there's no pictures on the internet, so I'm going to have to take a screenshot of my TV. Uh-huh. But sometimes, at least in the sword animation, because there's different ones, right? There's a drill one, and there's, like, an electric one. Yeah. Right? For the sword animation, there's the bit where you see a shot of the moon, like a, uh-huh. a full moon. Sometimes, and I don't know what triggers this, it flips to the other side, and you see the moon with the professor's face in the moon. <laughs> And it's, uh, it's, it's fucking all of incredible. The, it's all of the Robot Academy people. Uh, Assistant Scott will sometimes appear too. Oh, I mm. never saw Scott. I saw uh, the professor a lot though. Like, I think it's a one in something chance that it'll flip over to that instead of the standard moon. Like, that's to my, mine, it was like every, yeah. like, it was like 30%. Like, every third time I would see this. And it just cracked me up. And there's, I just tried to look at every single video on YouTube and like image search on Google and not a single one has any of these images show up, which is such a bummer because it's absolutely hysterical. It's yeah. the funniest thing I've seen in this game. Scott's the one that got me because I was oh. not expecting that. 
Mm. You know, it may be based on like how your um, robot's configured, maybe. It could be. Yeah. A thing you have no control over, let's not forget. (laughs) To a certain degree, no. Yeah, the only thing you can pick is when you bring the body back, the professor will go, which of these three designs do you want, A, B, or C? Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't show you what any of them look like, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and some of them are some of them are locked in based on conditions of the quest you got them in, right? Well, yeah, the arms and legs are the arms, legs, and head. The body is just like, hey, which one do you want? You pick a letter. Wow. Yep. So yeah, this desert dungeon. Afterwards, you would just like make a beeline for the professor to unlock Erdekaiser Fury for Shion. But this is a pretty boring dungeon. Zero story. Only two unique enemies, but also those are the only two enemies and wow. uh, a lot of screen swap backtracking. Oh, yeah. And there's like there's a bridge that you have to rotate to get to certain sections. And some of the items are like decent. But again, you have the Emacs 300s taking up one of your slots and you only have three slots for max. So mm. it's just there's just yeah. not a lot you can do with these, especially if you want to have like any of the charge skills like, you know, getting your ether points back or there's one where it cleanse where you get rid of a uh, status effects, which is like super crucial. Mm. So like you're not even using the, the one that like reduces your chance to get some status effect because you just don't have enough room. But anyway, let's talk about the boss, Scarabelle. This fight brings up a mechanic that we have not talked about, but will fuck you up 12 ways to Sunday in this fight. And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a mech-only mechanic we never talked about because it's basically just RNG for the entire rest of the game. It's called Intercept Attack. In ES Battles, every single character, random mook enemy, boss, player character, has an IA value, representing their chance to intercept a single target attack on themselves, Excuse nullifying me? it and counterattacking. Yes. Yep. yep. Literally never happened the whole game. Same. Until this fight. If, if a battle goes on way too long is the pretty much only time you'll see it. Or very bad luck. When it goes off, it resets to zero. It maxes out at 100, meaning the next attack that hits, you, crit, you counter. Landing a hit or a tech gives it plus 10. Landing a crit gives it 20. Taking a crit cuts that target's current value in half. Oh my god. Right. And you can only see it on your characters when you go to attack. There will be a little thing that says IA something in the corner of the screen. I you can't see it on all. any other enemy. Never <sighs> noticed that before. Yeah, it's real easy to miss. Yeah. But here's the thing. So when you start this battle, the, uh, the boss takes six turns just kind of feeling you out before it does anything. And the more you hit it during this period, the more powerful it becomes, which is pretty rough because in the worst case, you're talking plus 100 power and plus 50 to every armor ether and ether stat. And it just makes this, you know, this boss has, I want to say, 30,000 health, right? And there's a closer to 50. Oh, my God. I have it open. It's something like that. Yeah. And And you're doing like one to to two a hit, right? Uh, less than yeah. that. Uh, oh actually, no, God. it's about, it's about, depends well, the on thing the defense. Is, yeah. You, you do have it in a pincer attack, I believe oh. automatically, nice. or, or you can, you could set up, you a have to attack. move, but you can okay. move. Yeah. Also, Scarabelle is 96 K health. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Right, right, right. Yeah. You can, 
you can do an attack that like does 30k if you time it out right and get lucky with uh oh god the roulette yeah but uh yeah that's still like that's a ton of health but anyway after the first seven turns the first half of the fight relies on you dodging status effects because scarabelle will poison you and bind you so you want to use ether attacks on it because it's one of the only good ways to do damage to it this fight has a tell if Scarabelle tries to poison you and begins stalking, do not attack it until the person who is behind it lands on a critical's turn tile. Poison is the AI's tell that it has an insane intercept value and is waiting for you to step on a landmine. Critting it will cut that in half and make it safe again temporarily, and a mech can't intercept a back attack. If you yeah. don't know this, randomly... You are going to hit this thing, and it is going to unleash its intercept move, which is not a standard, ha, I punch you instead. It is deformed surge cannon, an all-target beam attack that sidesteps your evasion for 10,000 damage. No wonder they took it off the market. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh So the thing that sucks the most about this, yeah, it doesn't tell you, if you don't know how the intercept works at all, you're just thinking, okay, I'll, maybe it's like a reflect thing where it gives back as much damage as it takes with a multiplier. you know. So you think, okay, I get it to a point, I'll just trigger it with a regular attack. But no, the regular attack also basically wipes your party. And the only way I survived this the first time was that I had one of the uh, skills that like revives you at like half health if you die once. That was the only way I was able to survive it the first time. Was intercept attack even tutorialized? I don't remember that from the beginning of the game. Nope, absolutely not. Was it in the manual? Yes. Uh, It's written down in the game, but unless you are digging deep into the actual glossary of how all this works, you're never going to notice this. You might occasionally see IA and go, "Mm." Mm -hmm. that sucks so bad, dude. But but here's the thing, what gets it gets worse once you get it down to half health because it starts spamming quick and you get messages like breaking the sound barrier or reaching the speed of light and it just keeps casting quick on itself and gets faster and faster and takes more and more turns and those casts of quick stack onto each other. So basically you go from a manageable fight with this one fuck you mechanic to oh shit, I can't recover because I, this guy's getting like six turns in a row. And yeah, the basically the best way to do this is to try to do, I believe it's one of the beam skills and try to do it on an ether turn behind, you know, as a back attack. You could do like yeah. 30k damage in a single hit, but it takes a long time to get that and some luck to get that set up. And you don't absolutely don't want to trigger that second half when you're going to get spammed to death and not be able to heal yourself back. And Mm -hmm. the landmine thing where you need to crit it to reduce its intercept value is made much worse when it's getting quick and all the turns in a row, because that means it's a higher chance it's going to steal the crit turn. Can can it intercept ethers? If it's a single target attack. So it can intercept the... It it can intercept the, the, um, the single target nuke that removes buffs. If Which would be how I would answer front, this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, but if you put uh, Zed, well, that, well that, that's okay. The, you know, this is another one of those fights that's like really interesting theoretically, but sounds so shitty to play. Right. Because yeah. what happens with me is that I did this fight like seven or eight times because I just kept getting destroyed by the counterattack without realizing anything about how it works. You know, if I knew I could just wait to a crit turn, maybe boost into it if I have to, you know, it could have been a very easy fight because I could just do three attacks and kill the guy or three rounds of attacks. But that's just not how it ended up working at all. And I got, I actually beat this once and uh, Zebulon died. <laughs> so Zebulon missed out on the uh, EXP again. And then I said, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't want to go out that way. And so I did it again and then survived the fight with both uh, mechs like alive. But then it doesn't matter at the end because this is the last mech fight you should really do. <laughs> Isn't that the ultimate insult thinking, oh, yeah, I've done this and I've got the rewards. What do you mean I never need these yeses again? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ugh. So after Scarabale falls, you'll see a bigger forbidden device somewhere. Spoilers, it's two rooms behind this cave, which is a blue triangle that has red, green and yellow points. The yellow one has now lit up. The entire purpose of the post-game is to clear these three dungeons and then redo the entire desert just oh. to fight the true ultimate boss. Wow. That sucks, dude. Do all the enemies respawn? Some yes. of them do, but you can actually, when you go back to the desert, you can go straight to the back without a fight. That's what I, happened to me. I know some of the enemies here respawn because this is the only place you can grind post-game for robots. Right, yeah. So, like, the enemies on the sides, side paths will respawn but the ones like if you're trying to just go straight to the back okay so the main line it leaves yeah. open Got yeah it. i didn't fight anything when i went through and i was like expecting to fight one creature on the way right before the boss room but never mind yeah so it's it's still annoying because you still got to trek all the way there through like three screens and whatnot and the es is kind of slow yeah i think you meant it's still annoying because it's a xenozaga too <laughs> yes Ooh, yeah yes <laughs> so Open the chest behind the boss for Sequencer C, and then head into the summer version of the forest domain to enter the red forbidden device. Which is inside the barn? Uh, uh, yeah, this was yeah. under the barn. Yes, the okay. one you blew up. Yeah, yep. which you do have, you basically run into one fight no matter what, but you know, yeah. you either stomp or you just run away. You fucking stomp it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for what it's worth, uh, one of the most satisfying things is when you teleport into the UMN to go to the yellow device, you are in the robot and you are wrecking shop on these guys. Mm. You can one shot most of these enemies in a mech, which is a rare thing in this game. Oh, yeah. And they do zero damage in mechs. You. <laughs> you have to go in in mechs. Yeah. Yeah. For Ormus. Oh, yeah. yeah. It uh, it feels pretty good. I thought you meant going into the summer domain in a mech and I was like, oh, God. Oh, oh that'd God, be that would be so funny. Just wrecking these farmhouses and gas stations and shit by walking over them. That'd be God, awesome. That would be much better. <laughs> but this takes us to the factory. There's, again, no story here, just a path to a boss. All the enemies here are new to this game, but they're recycled from Cathedral Ship in Xenosaga 1. Uh, yeah, they just have boosted stats. Uh, oh, love to okay. fight an even more high-statted ogre. Yep. Yeah. An enemy so annoying to deal with, I remember what it's called. <laughs> the rooms are reused in a few places, but it is just 
conveyor floors between switches to turn on elevators to progress loops, with an occasional Dark Souls-style shortcut back to an earlier save point in the form of ladders you lower from above. Literally, all of them are these ladders. So it's the Kazfa Gina. First, first of all, that I would imagine that that is a Tomino-ass name. Is that a Tomino-ass name? You're not wrong. Yeah. If a name is bad and something no one has ever had as a name before, it's a Tomino name. No, that yeah. it must we be can't. two names. <laughs> it must be two names. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's true. Two or that's three. True. Yeah. Or uh-huh. I, the 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 purest form is if it's the same word but in a different form, like kitty kitten. My favorite one of those <laughs> is Lila Mila Ryra. Oh my god! Um, what yes. the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's more get nuance away to a Tomino this? name. <laughs> because they're fucking great. That's why. Because they've got a lot of goddamn charm in their weirdness. It's because also, he makes the every, money. Every single Gnosis name we are going to fight in this postgame could be a Tomino character. <laughs> does, <laughs> does Tomino ever actually, inside of a Gundam, wrestle with the fact that he clearly hates corporations and capitalism, but is like one of the most yes. profitable people to exist? Yes, absolutely, yes. Okay. Great. Let's talk about Reconquista and G. Yeah, G Reco flawed fave. <laughs> I'm anyway. still buying the movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But th- those guys were a real roadblock for me in this one and really this was the place where I realized, oh yeah, uh strike coats, you know, the coat skills super yeah. useful mm-hmm. when you have that with double power. Oh yeah. And it was the only way I was able to get through those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also, there's a spot here which ended up being my grinding spot for later on when I hit, like, a really huge wall. Because there's an enemy pod that's right next to a save point, and there's also, like, a thing you can blow up for a stock bonus. So what I would do is I would leave the room, come back, blow up the uh, the trap, ah. get into the fight, cast Erde Kaiser, do a little bit of cleanup. Basically, fight takes a minute, get like five to 6,000 EXP, hit the save point for a refresh, and then just do it again. And I was able to get like 10, 11 levels in a, like an hour and a half. Wow. You know, you know what really fucking sucks is that Erde Kaiser doesn't even do max damage. It does like no. medium damage. It, mm-hmm. the, super, the super weapon isn't even, doesn't give you the satisfying quad nines that everyone loves to see in a JRPG. Oh, you can, you can do uh, five digits in this. Oh, yeah, fuck you can yeah. do it. Yeah, right. Remember, because uh, we hit like 30,000 for a hit in the, the previous boss. Like, no, you I can do a ton of damage, but yeah, but it's, I, it's super. I hit uns- 85,000 yeah. on an Erde Kaiser combo. Oh, <laughs> hell God. yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, because you can combo into it. You can pop them up, yes. hit them from the back, have them like do yeah. whatever, uh, break armor or whatever. Hell yeah. Erde Kaiser is medium damage on its own. But if you use your one summon per fight tactically, it is a game ender. Yeah. And on top of that, I think it also, when you have like a sword buff, like if you're yes. trying to do elemental buffs, the uh, ether casts also count towards that counter. And so you get that buff on your ether cast. Mm-hmm. So that combo multiplier is also added. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, if you just roll into a battle and just cast it cold, it does like four to six thousand damage, which is not very impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I saw in the video. Not good for fifty of a max ninety nine EP. Yeah, but it's enough to like make that one pot of enemies super easy to kill. 
Or like, and sometimes you kill them outright. Does double power, at, not double power, but does ether burst at least apply to it? Well, yes. here's, okay, here's the thing about ether burst, Chris. You only get that if you clear Captain Matthew's debt, which I didn't do. So I didn't have oh, it. No. <laughs> I'm sorry you're bad at video games. My, uh, my, whole, stra- my whole strategy revolved around having that and then the EP cut in half so that way you could still maybe cast Erde Kaiser, which I never got. Oh, right. Yeah, like when I was going through my skills I, and I noticed that ether burst wasn't on the, the unlock skills and I went to look it up and I said, oh, it's the Captain Matthews thing. I, I literally went this motherfucker because I knew you ended up using that so heavily. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will also oh, point yeah. out, I don't think we mentioned it earlier. Etherburst doesn't just apply to spells which have their cost doubled. Etherburst applies to all ether damage. So oh. Momo and Shion's basic attack doubles in power. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's insane. Okay, no wonder he, he coasted through some of this, because, like... That's yeah. how those two become some of the most broken characters in the game. Yeah, buddy. I wasn't kidding when I said that Momo did, like, 5,000 damage a spell cast. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... that's That I was not able to get. <laughs> when I'm talking about buffing up Momo and using her as the combo ender on things, she can start doing between 10 to 20k with a regular attack. Yeah, that's why that's why Momo would boost into another character who would do nothing but cast the boost spell again. That way, Momo could get more turns. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that only works if you cleared Matthew's debt. (laughs) Yep. Well, look, Uh, sorry you don't love our problematic fave. Also, (sighs) I want to point out that Matt mentioned something which only comes up in this slapdash ass postgame. During the main story, we all talked about how nice it was that you really can't grind, but it means there's a set power curve. Mm -hmm. You can if you're stubborn, but most enemies don't respawn. You have to go into prior dungeons, which aren't going to be a huge amount of XP if you want to buff up. Oh, yeah, they Final Fantasy 13 it, huh? This post game locks you into difficulty walls that you either have to overcome via abusing mechanics like Chris or I did, or grinding up 10 levels on a couple of respawning (laughs) jack-offs. The funniest part about that is it didn't end up mattering almost at all. (laughs) Like, I realized when I figured out how to get through the fight I was stuck on, which was in Heaven's Ruins, and we'll talk about it later, Mm -hmm. but I realized I probably could have just gotten away with it doing that and just coasted through in my 50s and not the 60s. I hope to coast through my 50s. (laughs) (laughs) So, you eventually reach the boss, Dolea Soul. This battle has an incredibly irritating opening gimmick. Oh, tell me more. Uh, It's got a break block until you hit it with a dozen Pierce Element attacks. So, basically, (laughs) you're not dealing any damage to this guy until you jump through that hoop. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) Yup! What? Once you do so, two things will occur. One, it's going to start speaking and waste a few turns. Write down what it says if you don't have a guide. Two, when it's done giving you a bunch of hints for the next puzzle, the unconverted human who is undergoing nosification will give in and die, telling you it has, quote, gone full gnosis. (laughs) At this point, it unlocks its full roster of attacks and no longer gives a free turns. The back half of the fight is now a race against time because Dahlia's soul has unlocked two moves, a madness and ignite. 
Madness is a gas leak. Every time it goes off, quote, methane gas fills the room. Very good name for that attack. Yeah, I know. So good. And this is a multiplier effect. Ignite is what it sounds like. An all-target fire attack whose damage is boosted by every madness since the start of the fight or since the last time it used Ignite. If you're unlucky, this can escalate into multiple thousands of damage in one go. If you want to bust this fight open, one reliable strategy, bring Xion. Have her spend her time buffing up and stocking up, so like presumably like Aether Spear and stuff. Mm-hmm. While everyone else breaks the Pierce barrier. So you have to bring basically Junior and Momo for this, probably. When it's vulnerable, use the other two to break the boss and air slash down it, then boost Xion on a crit or ether turn and unleash Erde Kaiser Fury. This will probably net you somewhere in the range of 20,000 to 50,000 damage, depending on which tile and combo you boost into. Uh, this thing only has about 50k health. Yeah. Here's the thing about this fight is that it doesn't do a lot of damage to you until that madness ignite combo. So, like, I... You have to fail once to figure out the strategy, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, the thing is, I had to basically do this fight twice because what happened, I did two rounds of, like, my full stock up and then unleash on the boss, and then it had, like, 2,000 health left, and then it did a Madness Ignite and just killed everybody. Mm. (laughs) That's bro. There's really no counter to the Madness Ignite combo. (laughs) It's real nasty. Yeah, well, like if you have like safety level on, you'll survive, I guess. You could have like fire coat and doubler, right? Which is would give you forty percent fire resistance. Yeah, I when think it's I had doing that on a too. few thousand, it's pr- you don't have the HP. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I think I had those on, and especially because especially because you have to have Junior and Momo, and they're low HP. So even mm-hmm. the forty percent won't get them through a couple thousand. Yeah, yep. it's uh, yeah, that's a, it's that's a rough. Fight, like. Like, so many yeah. of these ending boss fights, they're not that challenging until you hit the fuck you mechanic, and then you have to do it all over again. <laughs> it's not like the Persona optional fights where you could theoretically get in and, like, read your way through it. These are just ones where you have to fail to figure out the gimmick, right? More or less, yeah. I mean, or that sucks. just straight up flip the script, do not care, and brute force it with a Momo or Shion combo. Mm-hmm. Because it's possible to kill this thing before it goes full Gnosis. Which is basically what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Unless you need the puzzle solution from it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, what? Yep. Oh, that's so rude. Yup. So, the entire purpose of this fight was to uh, turn on an elevator. Down here is one final mook and then a puzzle room. So, a fun wrinkle, if you did not take GS Campaign 21 before coming here, you cannot physically interact with this puzzle yet. Jesus! Meaning you have to redo the whole dungeon, (gasps) go through everything to get back here. Oh Mm -hmm. my god! Mm -hmm. So, if you did do GS Campaign 21, a Spectre of Roy will be camping the exit going, Are you sure you want to leave without my memories? You promised. There are eight boxes in this room and a panel of nine lights. The goal is to power up all nine lights. Uh, Four boxes turn lights on, four boxes turn lights off, and you have five moves to clear the puzzle before restarting. These kind of 
lights out style puzzles are generally something that's very frustrating to me because oh no 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 you're thinking lights out like it's the you push the button the ones around it light up yeah 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 Mm -hmm. it's not that it's it's a count four of them are x number light up i think it's two four six and eight so it's just random no it's one it's one three five and seven and Mm. the minus are two four six and eight Okay. So you need to turn them on and in five moves, turn on all nine lights, but only exactly nine. Otherwise, It's a math puzzle you couldn't possibly solve until you do it once. Great. Love it. <laughs> Unless you took the hints from the dying man who was the boss, because he just tells you yep. what the numbers are. Yeah, and oh, the colors wow. related to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And the thing is, like, usually you'd only get like three or four of them. So you're not even getting the whole picture unless you really wait it out. <laughs> I love that this man turning into Gnosis is dedicated to Roy getting his porn back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So fucking just. Uh, uh-huh. Dudes, so, dudes yeah. rock. <laughs> when you do succeed in this, in this uh, interminable counting puzzle, you earn sequencer A and Roy's porno. Take it back to him to close the GS campaign 21 and then go see the other professor to enter the green forbidden device to enter the dungeon Heaven's Ruins. So this is the only one of the dungeons that has a sense of effort put into it. Uh, it's this crazy sky castle full of uh, overlapping paths and branches uh, that have a few uh, obstacles that you have to get out of your way. And uh, there are a few sub bosses, mini bosses that you have to fight to unlock your way to the end. And uh, these are cathedral ship reuse because these are these elemental mini bosses that you remember from the previous game. They even have the same name. At least they're cool bosses, I guess. Yeah. And the thing is that, like, the first two, my experience, super easy. For whatever reason, the ice one kept boost fucking me when I went to go do its turns. And they healed itself a lot of damage, like 6,000 damage when it would cast ice on itself. So this fight, that last fight, took, like, 30 fucking minutes. And it's, like, not even that much harder than the other ones. It just kept stealing my turns and then healing itself. Yeah, they all have the same health, I think. Yeah, but the other ones, like, healed themselves from, like, 2,000 damage and not 6,000 damage. So, really annoying fights. But once you finish those, you start climbing a very uh, ease-like tower. I'm with, listening. Uh, <laughs> it is just the big-ass tower from Origin. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. This dungeon sounds super cool. Like, structurally. Mm-hmm. It is that looks cool. really pretty sick to go through, even if the combat is pretty brutal in places. Mm. What is the coolest yeah, dungeon it, in a JRPG? If I had to be real, it's probably some of the puzzle stuff in Lufia 2. Oh, yeah. Or, or in Alundra, or like an action RPG like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's the weird optional dungeon in Shadow Hearts Covenant with all the mirrors. Like, very cool to look at and go through. Okay, okay. Oh, uh, the castle? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Good vibe. Spooky. I think if I had to pick, it would be something involving a lot of little puzzles in place of just combat challenges. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. I really, uh, I wish that it didn't take several hours of extremely obnoxious, like pressing A to click through a ton of text to get to the dungeons part of the Golden Sun games, because I really would like to reevaluate those dungeons with more discerning eyes, because I remember really loving them, but also the idea of going through the beginning of Golden Sun 1 again, uh, I I won't, I will not do it. <laughs> or Lemuria in Golden Sun yes. 2. Ryan? <laughs> I got paid to do a Let's Play of the Golden Sun games right before Dark Dawn came out. As an adult, let me tell you, those things don't fucking hold up at all. And ah. looking at it through game designer eyes, all I kept thinking about is how terrible the synergy system is. Because there are no less than four different spells that involve using a hand, mm -hmm. some of which are as indistinct as push versus pull mm -hmm. and these spells take up slots in your inventory just to make it worse i cannot stress how much i absolutely hate the golden sun series okay well that mm -hmm. answers my question yeah i'm never going back to them then that's a bummer also the mechanics suck because the uh -huh. game is the game is too easy it's a cool it's a cool battle system in search of a better game where you have enemies designed around it instead of enemies that yep. you just summon rush. Yep. Also, one other thing I will point out. We made fun of the plot of this game, but Golden Sun 1 is one of the biggest side quest ass JRPGs ever. <laughs> in the plot of the first game, you are trying to stop people igniting the lighthouses. You fail twice. You spend half of the game trying to borrow a boat to get to the second one, but you have to do five side quests for a guy to get the boat. You are literally nesting side quests inside quest, making negative progress for a fat old man who wants to live forever. <laughs> a full third Golden of Sun Golden Sun 2 sucks. is... A full third of Golden Sun 2 is dedicated to uh, upgrading a boat so you can fight Poseidon. <laughs> And listening to kids sing and writing down, writing it down because it's a puzzle solution. Just so you can beat up an old <laughs> half-naked guy. And to top it off, Golden Sun 1 and 2 contain one of the most why-didn't-you-speak moments ever because you're constantly fighting with your childhood friend who got separated from you who already knows you need to turn these on or the world dies. He yes, just never um, says so. God. I remember being infuriated by that even as a teen. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. I'm glad Camelot got stuck making Mario sports games. That's what they deserve. They're Truly. better at it. They're it, beyond you know the what? beyond is one of the worst PS1 RPGs that functions. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The new the new Golden Sun is somehow worse because all of the enemies yes. do one damage to you for 50% of the game. Really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then you why even have the fights? Because it's a JRPG. Ugh. Part of my payment for that Let's Play revisit of those games was a free copy pre-release of Dark Dawn. I got in, I opened a book, and it was a long, I mean five minutes mashing oh, through text, yeah. partial it... recap of the first game. Ugh. 
Oh, yes. At the end, it has a, did end. you get all that? And Noah's default selected? No. <laughs> and it started again. And I shut that game off and never went further. Holy I made it two shit. hours further than that. <laughs> that was the most we didn't learn scene I've ever seen in a and video game. It still doesn't have tech speed up. Mm. No. And it still makes the dumbass Banjo-Kazooie noises. Yes. <laughs> it's literally like they picked up. It's the Shenmue 3 of JRPGs. <laughs> oh my Look, god. I, I respect the way that Shenmue 3 is. Mm -hmm. You mean terrible? Yes. But in the same exact ways the people who <laughs> wanted it to exist wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. It well, is. Yeah, Shenmue 3 is the ultimate Shenmue fans Shenmue. Yeah. It's Shenmue 3, not the third Shenmue game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not the third sequel. That's, that's Golden Sun 3, except none of us are 12 now. Right. Yeah, a really, really big difference. Okay, well then I'm probably modifying my answer to be Sybil's, uh, which is some, some of the Lufia 2 puzzle shit. Uh, love those dungeons. I have deleted Golden Sun from our list of future game candidates also. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I did have one other thing pop up in my head while I was ranting about that. I fucking love there's a post-game dungeon that's optional in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. It is a factory. Is so hard. I, here's the thing. The first room with all the combat and the cars is a murder box. If you clear that, the next two or three rooms are just platform traversal using oh, all so the good. cool skills you get. I love it. Oh. I love it so much. Kingdom Hearts 2, secretly the best platformer. The only good 3D platformer. Pidios could have been cool. It, like, it looks really cool. Pidios is cool. Two-thirds of Pidios is sick. But yeah. the controlling of it is just such ass. I, and but yeah, it, it, it asks you to mm, do too much. It's particular. The last third is when it's way over the top. I think the first two-thirds are extremely good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, the bonus, the bonus platformer stuff in Kingdom Hearts 2 and Birth by Sleep Final Mix. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're still climbing this tower, right? <laughs> yes. There's a couple of mini bosses, and this is where I got stuck because these guys fucking suck. I don't recognize them because I didn't get far enough into the last game, but these are reuses as well. There's these, um, there's like a, one's like a whale-like thing. They're the angel enemies from the end of Xenosaga 1. Oh, the guys that look like nobodies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the ones yeah, with the blade arms, sick. and then there's like, yeah, They're but they brutal. suck. <laughs> they suck in this game, because they just keep pummeling you with attacks. Yeah, and... let me tell you, they were brutal in the King Xenosaga 1 also. Okay. <laughs> there was just a death hallway with five fights in a row. Oh, yep. rough. Rough. Matt, at the end of Xenosaga 1, one of these guys is like 10 times stronger than the other ones. It is just the Unaleska boss fight, but inside of Xenosaga. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Man. Ugh. But th the thing that would happen is that, like, I wouldn't be able to heal enough to, like... They these guys were just too fast and doing too much damage. And I decided to go grind for 10 levels, and I came back. And then I realized... Oh, you know what? Let me just try to summon Erde Kaiser. These guys are weak to ether. And I, for some reason, on a reverse turn, I was still getting a lot of extra damage, which didn't make a lot of sense. But I ended up wiping the battle with a single Erde Kaiser, you know, attack from Xion after she was like ether speared and given 
Aura Sword. And then I did that twice, and these boss battles just became like, oh, it's done. But before that, it was like feeling impossible. You know mm. what? In retrospect, I think it is better that you always get the ultimate weapon with nothing left to do, because if you get it before there's some side content, you can just not have any fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it I, isn't that fun. I think the peak super boss, side content, etc. version is the last remnant. The final boss of the last remnant changes in phases based on how much content in the game you completed. I think he has two or three. And if you've done every side quest, got every character, finished everything, he becomes the optional super boss as your final encounter. Is the last but remnant only good? For... Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's a really cool game mechanically on a lot of levels that does a lot of things. People go, I wish this was in JRPGs. And it was kind of a success to the point that they've remastered it a few times, but mm -hmm. not so much that everyone's going to go, oh yeah, Last Remnant, hidden gem that everyone touched. Is that Weird. the one with the guy who looks like Noctis in it? Uh, On the cover? Character yeah. Or two. He, yeah. He, yeah. he looks, um, the main character in that looks more like just standard JRPG character. Of oh, that like era the Warrior of like, Light. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Okay, got it. So we make it up to the top of this little tower area, and there's a save point you want to save there. Because when you get onto the elevator, you get into a, a fight with a bunch of little dudes called the Zverg, Ka uh, Zverg Kape? That has I don't to be know a slur. How you pronounce this. It sounds like a Boer slur. Elon Musk hisses this at black people. <laughs> this boss fight has five cactuar style nimble enemies who hit like a truck if you corner them. There are two ways to handle this fight. The more rewarding way is these little dudes have less HP than a lot of random encounters at this point, a little over 4,000, and every time you kill one, another appears. That's awesome. A total of 100 appear in the fight, with special events triggering at the 25th, 50th, 75th, and 90th killed. Hell yeah. At 25, they heal the party. Every other one is the new arrival, all targeting an ice spell on the group that is called Healing Water, just to be shitty. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to farm XP, this is one of the best ways to do so in the entire game, because with both EXP plus skills... All 100 dying nets every character in the fight 100,000 XP. Wow. Dude, that mm -hmm. sounds so fun. <laughs> it's pretty good if you actually just want to, like, pile in and see if you've built a party that can survive a gauntlet. This is yeah. the only real gauntlet the game has. Vibe out for an hour just owning some nerds. That sounds great. <laughs> it's not even an hour. It's like 20 to 30 if you have an okay damage output. Hell yeah. Because these guys can go down in like one or two hits if you're geared. Oh, they only have 4K? I could have one-shot these without doing any post-game content. Yeah, exactly. It's just lasting through the attacks. They get more rounds than you. That's it. Fuck yeah, victory lap on these guys. That sounds awesome. It's a really good fight. Like, or... the, like the Mandragoras in 12 is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, 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 it's a very similar vibe. But even easier, if you don't want to do that and you just want this to be done with because you want to get to the actual boss here, buff Shion, booster, crit turn, and Erde Kyrie, Iser Fury. As long as they all die at once, 
Nobody reinforces. The battle ends. You can just shut this down at any time. If you do that, you're a cop. I, I totally did that because I wanted to finish this game. Cop. Yeah. <laughs> I also didn't know there was a limit to how many of them there were. So, like, I saw one get replaced and I went, fuck this. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make it apparent. It If you don't make it to 25, you don't realize, oh, it's it's actually tracking something. I love that, Matt. Just like, I give up at the first sight of adversity. <laughs> <laughs> I still had like two major, three major bosses to finish after Look, that. I get yeah. it. Look, thank you for your service, but also very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny to me. You skipped the only cool thing that you've talked about so far. <laughs> <laughs> Walk back to the save point because this room turns into an elevator that will take you up to, speaking of Gundam names, Nepos Regis. <laughs> The simple move on this fight is to buff Xion and do another break combo element chain into Erde Kaiser Fury. Because if you don't, this is one of those annoying battles in the game, changing gimmicks regularly. I got a record of 92,000 in one hit. This boss only has 59,000 health. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fighting it legitimately, it's got a mass of shot attacks, which cause status effects. So then it will gain the ability to activate break block at will, needing to be shattered by beam attacks. That sucks. Yes. Do these in the last one at least have more um, feedback than the albedo thing? Um, no. Wow. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know about the beam attacks. I just kept attacking it with light attacks until it went away. <laughs> yeah, if you hit it with two beams, the break block shatters, but it can keep conjuring it until the end of the fight. Oh my god. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often, though. Like twice, maybe. Eventually, it gains a memory of time, which will take note of the event slot it's cast on. The next time that slot appears, the boss will boost into it and cast a Ragnarok on the party. Does that look cool? Eh, that's fine. What? Make Does your high damage. super boss moves cool. What the fuck? <laughs> Finally, around 15% HP, it begins challenging you to a duel. The boss will not attack unless provoked, but whoever does strike it, it will be counterattacked with a potent embrace. If the move doesn't kill it. An embrace is likely to kill someone unless the... A tankier party member is the one to go. Repeat until one side is dead. This is like the um the junior duel fight, kind of. Yes. Okay. Now, for what it's worth, it lets you buff up. It lets you stock. It will not. It lets you fight safety you. level. It does let you yeah. safety level. So yeah, the way to do this at this point is to start powerfully prepping your strongest attacker to just unload a combo into the guy and then he's going to embrace back and then he's going to keep waiting for the next one. Yeah, it's... You That's basically cool. you can't, can't lose, lose right? at this point. Yeah, okay. No, no, because unless you're really dumb and then you didn't um, yeah. revive anybody after they get killed. Because <laughs> maybe right, this so. is what I did with... Like, I did it with Cosmos where I would just... She died, I revived her, didn't bother getting her health up because she's just going to die to the counterattack anyway and just yeah. kept doing that till he died. Yeah, it's pretty good. Make note of this area. Once we kill Dirk Erde Kaiser. Oh my god, we haven't done that yet. This is the spot. No. <laughs> this is the spot that the final optional boss for Good Samaritan Campaign 28 will spawn if you're closing all of those. I love that those aren't in order. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. After the fight, open the treasure chest and walk back down the tower. You need the decoder 12 the boss leaves behind to enter segment address 12, which was halfway up the tower. If you don't do this, even oh my god 
If you don't do yep. this, even though all the forbidden devices are glowing, you can't unlock the blue teleporter because the segment address door contains Squincer D. Fuck uh, you, dude. <laughs> if you if you missed that address, oh my God. nothing tells you you need to be here. I'm but finally here's, gonna okay, do but it. here's the thing. Well, here's here's the two things about that. One, you can see the treasure chest for before the, you fight the boss, so you know the chest is there. You're gonna open the chest. The other thing is that the segment address is in a hidden wall that you oh just have to you have to see the you have to yes. see the target reticle come up so you blow it up to reveal. Oh my it. god! But if you miss that because like the enemy is on you in that area, you don't know, right? And you got to do a couple fights to do it because like there's enemies in your way that respawn. Yeah. It's annoying. <laughs> Just one last little like touch of, you know, we're not communicating with you if you even have the requirements and you may just have to do a whole bunch of backtracking. Do you have a life besides playing our JRPG? Get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so we're finally in the Space Coliseum, which is the confrontation with the Dark Professor. Dark Erde Kaiser is yet another gimmick boss. You might think the move is to immediately buff Xion and call out Erde Kaiser Fury, but no, you are supposed to wait. In fact, if you use it before a certain event, the Dark Professor will call you a fool and mock you for your impatience. Unless you are stubborn as a mule, just die and restart the battle if you do this. I did this. Young Sybil was a goddamn moron <laughs> who had a level 99 party and smashed her head against this fight for two hours for an eventual victory. <laughs> Incredible. Rough. Rough. Like, the enemy, like, this one's got, like, 175k health. Like, a lot. I think it's 190. Might be 190. I believe oh it God. is 190. Oh it's God. just shy of 200k. Jesus. Sorry, I'm, ups I'm upset because I read the uh, last bullet point for this fight. Uh -oh. Uh-huh. Uh, 192. Oh my god. 190,000. Um, yeah. So, eventually, Darker Day Kaiser will do elemental attacks and occasionally all target some status effects for the first chunk of the fight. Knock it down 20% and it casts a Veil spell, upping its defense to an element and severely weakening itself to the opposing element. Keep going after that and it'll use Dark Wave to weaken Aether on everyone. Finally, at 65%, which you won't know because until after this event, its health only displays as a bunch of question marks. It will put up the Kaiser shield. Now is the time to pull out Erde Kaiser Fury because that will shatter the shield, open the boss to taking regular damage. It has uh, previously had a massive defense boost for the entire fight up to this point and reveal its remaining HP. To defend this, it is one of the only times that a gimmick was signaled because it's because if it, the HP is shown as a question mark, that tells you that something is happening. It's not a good signal, but unlike every other gimmick, there is at least a signal. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. This would be fine if it weren't for the fact that you can only summon Erde Kaiser once in a fight. Yeah. And your yep. usual move is going to be start it before gimmicks get going. Mm -hmm. So if you do that, if you start it like most other fights at this point, you've locked yourself out of the only apparent way to break this shield you don't know exists for 30% of 200,000 health. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and the the funny thing too is you don't know how much damage you need to deal with that one attack because you don't know how much health it has. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can't be like, all right, if Erde Kaiser Fury, you can make Erde Kaiser Fury do like 50k, whatever. Like if you could do a ton of damage, you think, oh, yeah. I'm good. No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now, people have discovered since this game was new, there is a second way to kill the Kaiser Shield and render this fight reasonable. Perform five double techs on the boss. If you are this far into the game and still using double techs, they gave you a reward rather than punish you for wasting all your turns and resources on those pieces of shit. And they do mention this in the guide, <laughs> that you could do this. Mm. This was not common knowledge back in the 2000s. Uh, weirdly, it's in the Brady Guide. Go figure. Really? Yeah. I never heard anyone mention this. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, and I was like, oh god, like, imagine if you, yeah, did that thing. <laughs> I did this with this guy buffed at super damage slamming my head into a wall because he couldn't kill me. I could just respawn EP and keep charging up combos and keep whacking him. But I didn't know that he had 200,000 health because I never got the question mark to vanish. And he continued to have a 50% defense boost. God. Nightmare. Nightmare shit. Two hours. You do so little damage before that. Once the Kaiser Shield breaks, it just becomes a normal boss fight. So burn it down with breaks and elemental combos. A properly kitted out Momo can pull off 10 to 20,000 per hit on this guy at this point. You cannot knock Dark Erde Kaiser into the air. So only Ziggy and Chaos are useful here since it is down vulnerable. You do earn a single fucking skill upgrade E. There is no (laughs) further reward. Um, it is, however, the trigger for all of the, uh, bonus bosses, including the U.S. exclusives. Yeah, this is where you find out that the evil professor, like, fakes, oh, I was just doing that to make sure that the regular professor tried really hard. Oh, just kidding, I'm actually evil. Like, real goofy Saturday morning cartoon bullshit and i love i love the professor i i could be down for the dark professor also that's very funny to me for what it's worth your party is not involved in any of this it is literally the professor and a copy of the professor in a black version of his jumpsuit just doing their little dance at each other in the middle of a giant vacant arena his assistant (laughs) scott there no no man assistant scott is the best yeah the the dark professor ends this conversation and be like, hey, guess what? There are even more dangerous enemies out there. Go check out the desert. And wow. uh, those are the extra ones that we we didn't do because I was like, well, it's not mentioned anywhere else. There's no reward. There's no plot. There's no reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the looks of it, some of them are reskins. One of them's a reskin. Of, They're all uh, reskins. Well, one of them looks like I, it didn't look like a reskin of anything I've seen. It looks like a fat ogre. That sounds like yeah, a it's, reskin it's of the Ogre. Saga one reuse. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Of an yeah, enemy called of them the is... Ogre Met. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there's this other one looks kind of neat. The Scarabell uh, reskin because it's got like uh, one of those Kabuki masks. That on it. one can actually be fought the instant you get to the end game. It's not hidden. 
Oh, it's just you would never go back there by any means. So, at this point, there's one thing left to do. Have you managed to clear all the other 35 prior GS quests? If you did, <laughs> go find a woman wandering around the town square in Second Milsha. Her name is Veronica. She's trying to win the Miss Milsha contest by using is the best at GS campaigns as one of her talents. And she's <laughs> trying to take, I guess it's Xion on one-on-one. On one. Yep. And Talk to her after doing those other 35 side quests, because if you do so beforehand, you lose. <laughs> wow. You lose the contest. Although wow. you still get wow. the double tech anyway. Yeah. And that's it. You don't, you don't get a reward for it. So I can't. Fuck nope. you. You're no. Dead. Gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just absolutely stunned by that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's how the way you said yeah right there, just the, the Xenosaga <laughs> 2 experience. That meme of the sad <laughs> guy in glasses saying yeah, that's Xenosaga 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I have been worn down. By this game and by the by the back half of this episode also because it, there's just so much so how do we feel about uh Zito saga 2 as a whole does anyone have anything nice to say first the three cutscenes that they spent money on are fucking sick as shit mm -hmm. the dungeon design in the first part is sick as shit and the puzzle design is awesome with the exception of the log puzzle, I hope you get executed publicly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this game has regular puzzles, which are, with one or two exceptions aside, pretty good. Mm -hmm. And there's a few good bosses, like Margulis, good fight. The yeah. one fight against the battleship, good oh, fight. That's so funny. I love that fight. Mm -hmm. yeah, when it's not leaning in on gimmicks that are not telegraphed and which will never come up again to be learned from. The combat can be pretty good in boss fights. The problem is that none of it is really carried over to general enemies who become a slog. Yeah, it's just the stalking thing just takes too much time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, like, it feels really good once you're all loaded up and you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to do like a million turns and do 50,000 damage. Fantastic. But, but then you can't do anything forever after that. And you're right. just getting pummeled, and then you have to heal, and then your healing abilities aren't great, and then it's a whole thing. And God help you if there's any, like, status effects involved, too. I will take the mechanical complaints first and leave Ryan the philosophical complaints. Because right. we have the same philosophical complaints. The, the thing I dislike the most about this game, because I like mechanics and finding interesting ways to break video games 
is I dislike how every single system in this game is disconnected. Like the skill system takes up so much of your time. I easily spent like four hours just going through this elaborate tree of venues, right? Like it eats a ton of time, but it doesn't really make you more powerful, right? It just lets you do more. The only thing that makes you more powerful is swimsuits, which are a horrible design decision, like objectively the best thing you can have in the game. You never take it off and you don't have to look at Cosmos's stupid outfit with it on. And Captain Matthews' thing, which requires degeneracy to uh, unlock. So, like, the skill system is completely disconnected. The combo system is a cool idea in theory, but the way it's implemented is entirely impossible to design encounters around. The only encounters where they even try is, like, Albedo, right? And that fucking sucks. Because the only way you can interact with the combo system without just fucking you over by boost canceling is by just making it not work on a guy or making it more trial and error to figure out by giving them five zones. Like, I'm glad this game exists because I don't think without this game existing, you get Final Fantasy 13 or 13 2, which are just the best version of this combat system. Because you just simplify everything down to a number and enemies have things that interact with how you fill that number. Mm hmm. I mean, it it's, it's nice that um, buffs and are it's useful. And it sucks that right? you don't get auto-healed after battles because you're going to auto-heal yeah. because you have three guys who can all use Medica in the back and they get 20% of their SP back per battle. You're never going to run out. Just fully heal me, dick. And you don't even need to finish the battle. If you run away from the battle, they still get their uh, EP back. <laughs> and class points suck. Why do class points exist? Yeah. Because yeah, all the, the worst they part, punish you for trying to interact like they punish you for trying interesting things with the skill system because they force mm -hmm. you to bulk go through this. Like if, if you could fix class points and keep the skill system by, instead of saying you need this many points, just say you need to get this many skills from this tier. Don't even make me finish a group, right? Just say, get four skills from this tier. Now you could do tier three stuff and that would be mm -hmm. much better. The rhythm of most battles feel like the AI is basically trying to force air back into your throat to give you the hiccups. Like, the <laughs> most consistent thing that it can do to apply some sort of difficulty or friction is just to trip you, is just to boost and interrupt and fuck you that way, or to use the skill slot system in the turn order as a way to just, like, make a certain battle unwinnable during one instance. It it is unforgivable that the enemies don't decide if they're going to boost right away and that they're checking to see if they're going to boost every second. So if you stop to think about it before boosting, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, if you're just sitting there <laughs> not making any decision, they're going to eventually boost if they have it. And that's yeah. why you can't turn mood through the battle. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's definitely true. <laughs> I didn't and think of that. Yeah, that sucks. And they do it while you're in menus. That's the worst yeah, no, thing. Yeah, By exactly. the end of the game, you yeah. have 40 skills. And while you're scrolling through the menu, the guy's going to boost over you and fuck up your shit. I hate well, the, that. The worst part is that the it'll even if you boosted, they will cancel your boost and you lost your boost. Luckily, normal guys can't do that. Bosses can boost I, I over top of I think normal guys do do that. Do they? I think they do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I think Scripted I'm ones can't sure. overwrite you. Ugh. Yeah. It's... It doesn't happen as often because they don't boost quite as much unless it's like a, a scripted thing where 
to get hit with the wrong attack, they auto boost or something. What right? I'll say is luckily the pods that are like five or miss guys can't boost over top of you. Or I would have just stopped playing the game. Actually, what I would have done is I would have it maxed out all my stats and then cheated because I have to make this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, there's also so much chaff in the skill system because when you think about all of the skill, like I cast a lot of the sword skills. Those were super useful. But I never cast a veil skill because who's going to burn turns for a thing that's going to last three turns anyway? Like I wanted to go and get quick for everybody. I got quick early for Momo and I'm like, all right, this is going to be great because, it, you know, a system like this where turn order is so important, given everybody plus 25% speed must be great. But then I realized it takes so many turns. And by the time you've stocked up and did all the other things, you're not getting extra turns. You've already burned it out. And yeah, you can equip a skill that doubles the length of status effects, but that's a level four skill and it's very expensive and you just don't get enough skill points. Mm -hmm. Related to that, the tiered length of status effects, buffs, and debuffs is a nightmare that barely comes up half of the time but can instantly derail a whole battle because we have the low-tier status effects that just last five rounds or less with skills or things. The high-tier ones that last until you die or cure it, which are just the same things as a monkey wrench which bosses can start using, and then buffs, which are always going to be bad and expire quickly in a game about turn order and priority, and it makes anything that isn't a short-term attack boost for the effect of a combo useless. The better version of the skill system, the tile roulette, and things like that is the Trails of Cold Steel system, where you still have positioning, you still have strategic use of turns, you have better control, and status effects are an up and down that are still limited. They still wear off in that. So do buffs. But everything flows better because someone considered, hey, what's a good length to keep this going that it doesn't just instantly become useless? Or can you reset it? And it only goes off on a character's turn, meaning you can't get screwed out of it and other things. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's quick is like completely useless because the yeah. way yes. you the way you interact with the battle is via boosts. It doesn't matter how fast you are. There are like only 10 good skills in the game, which and they're like ether speed retain ether boost. The one that gives you more slots, double power, yep. swimsuit, ether spear. Uh, the and then the the swords are and the, the swords are okay. The swords are okay, you, but you don't use them, right? Like I, I use them a lot. They are oh, a waste. Yeah. They are a waste of turns. And unless an enemy has huge ether resistance, then you have to go the physical route. But ether does so much more damage. No, swords are key to making Momo and Shion into murder machines. Oh, I just used their casting because they have such a high ether stat. But I also didn't. That's do how I was making eighty to ninety k damage spikes. That's. It's yeah, wild. yeah, because the thing is that elemental multiplier as you're going through the different turns ends up being a huge. It was huge That's for me. It. Yeah. Oh, so, like, you know, so that like, goes up with hits in the same element in the combat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It stacks. So if you have everyone go before your heavy hitter, you can have the final hits of a chain be something at like eight to ten combo in on an element, 
Yeah. That multiplier is insane. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gets real. Yeah. And that's the thing is that it's weird that it works even against enemies that are not weak to that element. Like they just will take, not take as much damage. I can't believe I didn't fully maximize a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you do the psycho damage with Momo and then eventually Erde Kaiser. Which was also why I was mad that attacks that already have an elemental weakness break that chain, or like an elemental element breaks that chain if it's not the same element. Like Xion with fire on her, will if you use four attacks, some of her attacks auto do lightning, which means you cancels your fire multiplier. Mm-hmm. It's why you don't use Ziggy a lot in Endgame, because not a lot is going to touch on fire, his innate element. Yeah. Yeah, because he'll just ruin that multiplier every time. I also already complained about this, but big fuck to whoever laid out the way you move through these and it's five linear paths and all the side quests make you go from end to end over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all the mechanics. Tell me about how this game has nothing to say philosophically. So, like, the thing that I keep thinking about in comparison to episode one is that in episode one, the shit that was happening in the background and the world that they built actually mattered to both the plot and the themes of Xenosaga episode one. Stuff like the Life Recycling Act, like the Realian Rebellion, it brought in these questions of labor and control and zealotry and, you know, of course, the whole, like, who can be human thing that's in a lot of sci-fi and shit, but, like, it built a convincing world around which it put this ridiculous space opera anime plot into it. And it was actually asking certain questions. And this game doesn't do any of that. The world that exists, the events just kind of conveniently get shoved into the margins. Like, oh shit, right. We have to tell people that this major enormous thing happened but we don't feel the impact of it in the game world in the slightest bit because we don't know where to focus. And so the only thing that it talks about the whole time is fucking family, like it's a goddamn Fast and Furious movie. (laughs) But it also doesn't hold up its end of the bargain there because what we see is the game forcing extremely dysfunctional relationships to come to jarring conclusions just in order to drive the plot forward and create a character moment. And so a lot of like people at odds with their family coming to terms with their family rings extremely false and hollow at the end of the day. Yeah. And like, if you have guys like Ziggy, right. Who mm-hmm. doesn't have a family anymore and he's kind of creating a found family, but they don't do a lot with it. Right. Right. Or you and, have, like, Yuriev. What is Junior's relationship to Dr. Yuriev? Did they, did, is it consequential at all? And what if a dad was bad? Not, yeah, what if a dad was <laughs> Gendo? Right. You know, without... Flat and Gendo. also can possess his son's body for some reason. You know, whatever. It, it doesn't really seem like it, there's a thesis to any of that. The fakest one of these is... Um, the way that they invent a fake trauma of this dead girl for Junior and then resolve it using Momo. That's Mm -hmm. very gross to me and completely eliminates who Momo is as a person, which was like the primary focus of one and the beginning of two. And that's that brings me to ultimately what is my biggest problem with Xenosaga 2 narratively. Okay, before you go there. Oh, go ahead. I want to hit on... Xion and Jin as a oh, failed yeah. family. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Because they're so, both dipshits. <laughs> no, no one is right. They're both very relatable dipshits, except halfway through the game, we just have them suddenly go, well, guess we're all good because I gave you a speech when you felt bad and it wasn't particularly amazing, to the point Jin, when she leaves the room, goes, God, I suck at this. <laughs> he realizes... Oh, I can't believe that worked. I was just kind of flailing here because we have no connection. And then Xion still gives him shit in the end and doesn't recognize he did anything right the whole game. You know, I just realized that Cosmos isn't even the plot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She I doesn't was... even speak after coming back from being holding back hell. Mm -hmm. That's not true. She says something when she holds up a shield. <laughs> <laughs> No, She's, after after she gets out, she says nothing. She says yeah. nothing this entire episode. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, so she doesn't speak in the ending. I the biggest narrative crime is Xenosaga One was a forty-hour prologue to a universe, and that was really. And you know what? They made it. They made a compelling story in it that had a lot to say philosophically. Mm -hmm. And I was very excited to have all of the world building done in the first game so we could just fucking go in the second and third game. And they just piss it all away because none of that matters at all. The only time they use it is when they have this opening like TV newsreel, which, to be fair, is extremely good of the um, like the fake news broadcast about the Milshin yeah. disaster going on. That's great. But then they piss mm -hmm. it all away and invent like this shitty Xenosaga 2 OC of Kanan, and <laughs> the whole game is about him instead. And then they, it really bothers me that the game has no philosophical viewpoint because that's what's the strongest about Xenosaga 1 and 3. Like, yes, this game is an absolute failure on every level. Kanan is basically just an encrypted USB. Like, yeah, memory <laughs> stick, right? Like, that's all he is. He's a fucking memory stick. Yeah. And they yeah. have to they it, and then they designed it the dumbest way possible where he has to go to a chair. That's the 2FA device instead of bringing the 2FA <laughs> device with you. Like, fine guy, invent a Yubi key. <laughs> yeah. That, and it's not even it. the right data. It's not every it's not what they were really looking for. Sorry, we were looking for the X data. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Yeah, more like more like the Y data. Yeah, that one he was actually getting something. It's just that Jin's arc, like Ziggy's arc, is cut out of this whole game. God. Mm, yeah, it does feel pretty empty, doesn't it? Like, what did Jin do? He pops back into the plot after being key in the Milshin conflict. He gets his old war buddy down into the chair. A retcon, by he the fights way. Marcus. That comes like that comes off as a huge retcon that he's even in the Milshin conflict. Because, well, I guess we heard yeah. about it. Did we hear about it? In yeah, one? we knew he was. We knew he was a veteran. Okay, forgot about that. I'm gonna let that one slide. Yeah, they they hinted more at Jin in the first game, but something clearly went weird there because all we we only hear him speak once as a voicemail to Xion. Mm -hmm. Oh, where he comes off as a fucking weeb? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, he was asking to, like, do the Oban with, his, with their parents. Yeah, hey, yeah. I hear you're going to be in town, so do you actually want to see mom and dad's graves? Or that's it. No, no it's a fucking rock. Shut up, Jin. <laughs> yeah, there's... <sighs> I... I have had some conversations with 
an individual, and some of those are going to come into play on our overview of the next game because there's some stuff there that isn't relevant right now. But I'm real curious how I'm going to come out the other end of three because this is a bad game, but now I'm looking at the writing on three and... uh, We'll see. I'm still excited. Yeah. Again, I will tell... No one not to be, because <laughs> I'm still going to enjoy playing three again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm excited to try it for the first time. I get to play Hackox again. It three mm-hmm. is mechanically great. Like even if yeah. the the writing and the world stuff lets us down, at least you will have fun doing cool mechanics for forty hours. Yeah, yes. and the the funny thing is, even with all the post game, this game only ran like it was sub sixty for me, which. You know, I expected, you know, if, if you wanted like my my tight five on the post game, I thought the post game was going to be a lot more onerous than it was. Like, I thought it was going to take a lot more time. I only had to grind for that one little oh, bit. Oh, like a, like 13s did? Yeah, exactly. 13s takes a long time. Okay. If I wanted to get Captain Matthew's debt paid off, yes, that would probably add another five to something hours. Mm-hmm. About five hours, because you got to do the whole ending bit eight times and you don't have turbo mode on a PS2. Yup. Yeah. At, at the very least, you can skip cutscenes. Yeah. Um. So that that helps a lot. It just I don't think you can skip the uh, the credits. No. <laughs> nope. So you have to watch the credits a lot, uh, which sucks. Yep. I got down to where I could do both of those fights in uh, roughly five minutes. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> but I wasn't gonna bother with that. Oh, also to the composer, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> which one, Hosoe? Whoever made all of the shitty plink plink synth music. Hosoe. Yeah. 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 Because some of it. Hosoe is my homeboy. Sorry. There's still some some good music on the soundtrack if you buy the soundtrack or just listen to it on Spotify or whatever. Yeah, it's. It's a game I expected to hate a lot more than I did, but I also just I'm like, I'll be glad never to touch it again. I don't feel anything. And that's the worst thing about it. Oh, I feel something. It's bad in the same way for it's bad in the same way for so long. You're just mm-hmm. really exhausted and waiting for it to be over from like eight hours in the second. Really, the second you get to the winter domain, and it's the same as the yeah. summer. I'm ready for the game to be over. And there's 30 more hours to go. Plus the post game, if I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's like the worst thing about a game is just waiting for it to be over. I mean, at least Labyrinthos was decent, at least. You know, the subterranean that, or the submerged city was decent. Labyrinthos it was one of the best dungeons, is the best dungeon in the series so far. But only because every room is something unique. If it had if it was the DS version, I would be it would be infinitely better because it has Xenosaga one combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love the only way I would play this again would be the DS version because I'm just curious what how different it is. Very. You know, which yeah. We've been talking about it this whole way through, but you like just having it in my hands. Like I would love to to experience that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to steal as my final quote, something that one of my co-hosts said on our pop punk show, which was, she said, if you make an emo album and a trans woman full of estrogen doesn't cry even once you fucked up, (laughs) this game definitely made me feel. I want to tear its throat out with my teeth. That's how I feel at the end of all this. It says 
a lot about how poorly designed the systems are that you can have a game this crunchy and Chris Taylor hates it. Mm. Well, it's crunchy in a bad way. Like it's not. It should be all yeah. of what we wanted, pretty much, except maybe Matt. And yet, <laughs> it is a monkey's paw on every level. Yeah, a barrel of monkey's paws. <laughs> mm. <laughs> My God, <laughs> and it it just wears you down. It just it is water torture the game it exhausts you on every level and grinds your face in the dirt a little bit because it wants mm-hmm. to but not even because it wants to but because it didn't know what it wanted to be yeah it's just absolutely wild that the story is just this much of a mess yeah yeah like i, I like that that should have had at least some supervision you know from the top being like Hey guys, here's the structure. Here's the basic beats. Don't fuck this up. Like you can do whatever you want with the rest of it. Go ham, but like at least leave this they, intact. They do the rope a dope. They yeah. they do the rope a dope, right? Because the game starts off literally seconds after Xenosaga one ends, and then just keeps going so hard, and then just for the rest of the mm-hmm. game. Yep. Fuck you, Xenosaga two. Yeah. But on to better things. Commercials. Yeah, on to commercials. <laughs> That's right. On to commerce. Let us go. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Boku no stop. It's our anime podcast. There is a free version where we are still talking about Monster and we'll still be talking about Monster for the next six months at least. For the rest of your fucking and... life. <laughs> and there's a patron only premium version where we are just about finished with G Gundam. And I think we're safe to say we're going to do uh, Jujutsu Kaisen yet. That's correct. Cause we only had one patron who cared enough to suggest an anime. So they got to pick shout outs to them. Mm, yeah. Hopefully it's good. <laughs> Neither of us has seen it. It's really good. I watched a couple episodes. I checked out the soundtrack dope as fuck. Also, I found the sickest possible trap remix of a good song in it. So we're ready to go on the intro music. Hell nice. yes. All we got to do is defeat the Devil Gundam first. <laughs> you can find more of me and my work at my website, hellscaper.com. And I want to be- give a big shout out to Yankee Candle for six free fucking candles. They're nice. just burning away right now. This nice. podcast is not sponsored by Yankee Candle. No, it is not. <laughs> no, you don't have to say that. I just thought it would be funny to sound mad about. Uh, <laughs> and remove what I said. <laughs> G Gundam, more like P Gundam. Uh, sure, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> you could listen to Ryan and I's podcast, Icons and Icons, by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking it as little as a buck a month. It's this podcast, but about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. I'm finally done spending 15 hours a week for months rating. Thank God. And that's all until next time when we will both have a Patreon bonus episode about Xenosaga the anime and then immediately, without break, roll into Xenosaga episode three. Hooray. And it says here, we've all bought tickets to Mickey's Dick Smasher that never expire. Enjoy that. (laughs) Peace out, fuckers. Unless you're one of the fuckers that made Xenosaga 2, then I hope you die. Ciao. Bye.